Hey, good morning, church. Hey, good morning. It is uh, very good to be with you today. We are continuing in a series called Heavenly Fathers, and the goal of this series is, is kind of twofold. One, it is to rally around dads and to rally our dads and say, all right, let's equip each other, let's inspire each other, let's push each other forward to be the best fathers we can be for our families. At the same time, this series exists in order for us to explain and and fill our imaginations with who God is as Father. And, and that being kind of the model, the mold in which we wrap our fatherly heads around and move forward. And so that's where we're going. Pastor Chris uh, kicked it off last week, and we are continuing in it today. And today we are talking about marriage. Mowage. Mowage is what brings us together today. I've always wanted to do that. You can't do it at a wedding because it's not appropriate, but here I'm allowed to do it. So there it is. All right, there we go. I said it. Feel really good about it. I'm glad you laughed. <laughs> um, so, yes, today we are going to talk about marriage. We are going to talk about the importance of marriage. And there are two reasons why we're talking about marriage today. The first of, of those are that we are a church. If you did not know, welcome. I'm so, so glad that you're here. Um, and the reason we talk about marriage is because we believe in the God of the Bible with our whole hearts. We believe that he is the ultimate reality, that he sets up the ultimate reality in all things. And also that he puts together the structures that help us operate, and not only operate, but flourish in this life. To live a life that is full of joy, that is full of peace, full of happiness. And the second reason we talk about that is because we believe that the structures that he puts in place, like marriage exist in order for him to receive glory and us to receive joy, happiness, flourishing, goodness. The structures that God puts in place exist in order to, for him to receive glory and for us to walk in the rhythms of his grace and his glory. You with me this morning? Yep, seems some head nods, like it, love it. So, primarily, in the structures that God puts together, it, it it shows us a lifestyle where God is first, right? For him to receive glory. And, and, it's, and it's around that concept, that idea, that reality of who God is that we then mimic, that we then put into practice, into our real lives. Following Jesus is, is not some ethereal thing or, or something that is, that is not tangible. It is a very earthly, very human thing. And we're going to talk about that today. And so first, I just want to say that marriage matters to God. It makes a difference. It means something to him. Why? Because God set up marriage to tangibly explain the kind of relationship that he invites us into. Marriage exists beyond just two people standing in front of a group of people making vows. It, that's a part of it. But the reason it exists is for God to show and point and say, look, this is like what I am doing with you. It is a profound mystery. That's what Paul calls it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But before we get into the sermon today, I'd like to address two groups of people before we start. The first are those who are not married. Um, today, we, I'm going to unashamedly preach about marriage in this place because it matters to God and we believe in God. But at the same time, I don't want to overlook people who are not married in our community 
um, because you're a part of this family. You are a part of the people of God who follow God, who, who believe in that reality, and you have a vital role to play. And one of the things I want to encourage you with today is this, that marriage, again, not only exists in order for two people to fall into romantic love, it exists for us to better understand God. And so my encouragement to you today is if you're thinking, if you're asking yourself the question, am I going to get anything out of this sermon? Why am I here today? I should have slept in. I'm glad you didn't because I believe in my whole heart that a robust idea of marriage helps you follow Jesus, whether you're married or not. Secondly, uh, I know that there are some people, there must be some people in this room who have experienced the raw and mean side of marriage. Uh, My parents divorced when I was 12 years old, and so I have a glimpse of it from a kid's perspective. Um, And I know that probably even the word marriage is very difficult to hear for some in our community. And I just simply want to say that God loves you, really, that God meets you there, that God has hope for you, that that God will meet you, I I hope and pray in this sermon and in our gathering today. I want you to know that there's no judgment, there's no shame connected to this sermon. We, we come together in order to glorify God and to, to be for each other. And so I, I simply wanted to point that out to say that marriage is wonderful and it is beautiful and it is profound. But in a world where sin exists, it's broken at times and it's hard. But God is still good. Amen? Okay. So... The first, um, the first point I want to make today is, is well, this is kind of the thesis of, of my whole sermon today. The best husbands make the best fathers. Now let me explain this a little bit. Um, this series is not about marriage, right? It is about fathers. It is about dads doing their thing and following Jesus. Um, and and this, this thesis, the best husbands make the best fathers, are, um, it, it's a way to explain where fatherhood should start because in a christian concept in a structure that god put together he put together man and woman first and then kids right and so what i want to kind of talk about quickly is how love guys loving your wives is the first step to being great great fathers and vice versa wives loving your husbands is the first step to being a great great mother so let, let me just kind of open this up a little bit. Um, the reason I believe this to be true is it goes all the way to the beginning of the Bible. The beginning of the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. He is the creative force in all of the world. And in the beginning, everything was good. He, he had trees and he had seas and he had lizards and he had cows and they were all good. And then he created man and he saw man alone and he said, this is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. The first time God saw something that he needed to fix. And if you ever wondered why that was not good, all the introverts in the room are like, yeah, I don't get it. Why can't he just, just leave him alone? Just let him do his thing. No, right? No way. God sees it and he says that it is not good. And, and we see this in a really profound way at the beginning of the Bible because God does not create alone. He creates in the midst of community. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is what God says. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
Male and female, he created them. Now, there's a ton in here that I can't get into today, but notice that when God says, let, let us create man in our image, he's talking to who? Himself, right? But he speaks to himself in a pluralistic way. And even before this, we see something else happening. We see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters of the deep. And so what we see here is God creating out of community. And we know that community to be the Trinity, which makes up God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And and the the Trinity is profound and mysterious and wonderful. And and these three characteristics of God work together to form one equal, perfect God. And I don't have time to get into all of it today. (laughs) But what I would like to to point out is that God created people out of community for the sake of community. If you're writing notes, I encourage you to write this down. God created people out of community for the sake of community. And I say that to say this. We need each other. Introvert, extrovert, we have an intrinsic need for one another. And I believe that nowhere is this is more profound than in the relationship between a husband and a wife. We recognize daily that we have a need for one another. And we, set, and we see that because God set it up that way. We need marriage because we need each other because God exists in community. So, now that we've kind of talked about that, let's grab our Bibles. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Ephesians Chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible with you today, there's some to my left, some in the back. If you don't own a Bible, take it with you. We love giving away Bibles. So, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. What we're going to do here is we're just going to read through this text, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Ephesians 5, 22 reads like this. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. I love this. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, a little context before we jump in here. This uh, was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And Paul was a Jew, a very zealous Jew, who, who met the risen Lord and was converted in a kind of a miraculous, powerful way. And then he became one of the most prominent missionaries in the first century and author of most of our New Testament. And when Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, he was pretty pumped about it because they were doing really, really well. One of the things he says to them is maintain the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. 
In other words, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Like, don't stop doing what you are doing. He's really happy about it. And a lot of scholars, or some scholars believe that the church in Ephesus began with a small gathering of Jewish uh, believers and then grew into um, a, a larger gathering of Gentile believers. And the, the reason that's important for this is because the Jews had a robust idea of marriage way before Jesus came onto the scene. I mean, they had, they had an idea of what marriage was that connected God to his people way before Jesus. And, and they did it, and they practiced it like crazy. I mean, wedding celebrations would go on not for hours, but for weeks on end. It, it was a huge celebration when two people got married in Jewish culture. So the question then is, why is Paul writing about marriage to this church? that was probably first composed by a bunch of Jews? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons. But I think one of the reasons is because of Jesus, the significance and the power of Jesus. You see, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, I I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And in fulfilling it, he changed a a lot of the ways, a lot of the perspectives of, of who God is. And how we, not who God is, but how we approach God now that Jesus has come into the world. And Jesus, or I mean, and Paul now, what Paul does is he says, yes, Jesus has come and things must be different. Even marriage, even marriage. We need to reorient our idea of marriage around who Jesus is. So the point I want to make here, and I encourage you to write this down, is this. Marriage exists to make us more like Jesus. Now, marriage exists for a lot of reasons. I'm going to talk about two of them. Not all of them, just two of them today. The first one is this. Marriage exists to make us more like Jesus. Now let me clarify. All of the structures that God has put in place are put in place in order for us to look and follow more like Jesus every single day. But marriage has characteristics that I think are really, really profound. The first is this. Marriage exists to sanctify us. Husbands, wives, there, there is no other person on the face of the earth who has a, who has a greater who has the potential to have a greater impact in your sanctification than your spouse. Why? Because you can't hide from them. <laughs> you can't. I mean, you could try for some time, but it won't, it won't last. You're with them every single day. No one knows you as intimately as your spouse. And not only that, but they are intrinsically connected to you. The, the, what, what Paul says um, here in, um, in verse uh, uh, 30 is that uh, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and that was a quotation from Moses from a long 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 time ago and he says that this is a mystery when these two come together because the understanding is that you take a, a person who is the image of God and another person who is made in the image of God and you put them together and they create not two but one now much in the same way as God connects himself to us through his son, Jesus. He is fully God, fully man, in perfect harmony. And our spouse is the one who is constantly or should be constantly calling us out into a lifestyle of Jesus Christ. It sanctifies us. Two, it awakens us to the Father's love, to God's love for us. Marriage has a, a unique way of doing this, right? Jesus said that I and the Father are one in John. And then also he says that I, that God is love, is what, God, is what John says, explaining who Jesus is. Now, 
God's love is made most manifest to us in the work of Jesus on the cross. In the great grace that he gives us. He offers us grace that, that wipes out our sin. That makes us clean before the Lord. And, and also in, lets us enter into a covenant relationship with God. Marriage is like that. Right? Because what marriage does is it awakens in us selflessness. Or it can teach us selflessness. To put another profoundly before ourselves. To, to value another person more than we value our own selves. It teaches us this. This is the kind of love that God has for us. And thirdly, it connects our soul to another. I, I mentioned this already. But, but what marriage does is it takes two individual people and puts them together. And if I'm honest with you, I don't totally understand that. Really. But what I know to be true is that the relationship that I have with my wife is uniquely different, and not just because we live together. It is uniquely different because of the way in which we react to each other, because of the vows that I took before her and before God, because of the way that I pray with her. My soul is intrinsically connected to hers in a way that it is with no one else's. And this is what God does with his people. He gives us his Holy Spirit, right? In Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 2, we see this where God pours out his, his spirit on his people and then commissions them to go and do the deeds that Jesus did. So this is just three of, of many ways that marriage is like the kind of relationship that Jesus has for us and that God invites us into. Marriage exists to make us more like Jesus. Number two, Marriage exists to teach us how to love. Very simply. It teaches us how to love. It teaches us, and and parents hear this, if you're parents of kids, it teaches us how to show love to kids, to exemplify all of those attributes that I just mentioned before to our kids. So hang with me. In verse 22, Paul says this, speaking directly to wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, this is a dualistic command that deals with submission. But let me define what I mean here by submission. I do not mean fear. Please hear me on that. I do not mean fear. Submission under God should not be done out of fear or intimidation because that is not how God works in his relationships. In the same way, wives, you are not to be subject to your husbands out of fear or intimidation. And men we should not be inciting these emotions out of our wives because that is not the way marriage is set up to work. Rather, Paul's encouragement here is very practical. Paul's speaking to to women saying, okay, ladies, you know that God's first, right? He created the heavens and the earth. He he began this whole thing. And, And your devotion is first and foremost to him. What I want you to do is practice that with your husbands. And, and wives, you might be looking at me and saying, Brandon, my husband is not God. My wife would be saying that right now for sure, right? And it's true, fellas, we're not, right? We're, we're not. But here's, here's, the, here's the beautiful thing about marriage is there, there's, a, there's a counterpart of submission that, that must take place in order for health to grow, right? And that is the way that we trust in God, the way that we submit to God, where we trust in him, where we believe in him, where we hope in him, marriage is the great practice ground for that. 
where we take those principles and apply them in real life and in real time with the relationship with our real husbands or wives. So, when Paul calls women into submission, wives into submission before their husbands, it is first and foremost to God to develop a deeply profound love for him and then out of the overflow of that love for God, practice it with your husbands. Practice it with your husbands. Second, men. In verse 25, Paul addresses us and he says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Here, Paul flat out tells men to love their wives, to be diligent in love, right? The command here is not, though, just to love. In, In our world, we, you know, Love encompasses a lot of things. I do not love a cheeseburger like I love my wife, right? I do love cheeseburgers, but it's different for a good reason, right? So it encompasses a lot of things. So, it, so Paul, maybe, maybe not knowing English for sure, but knowing that, that, is, that we can make that mistake in our hearts at times, clarifies it. He says, men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So the question then is, how does Jesus do that? Well, Paul outlines it. He, he says that he, he does it selflessly. He does it not only selflessly, but he does it in order to lead the church into purity, into sanctification, into holiness. So men, love your wives like that. See what Jesus has done for you, and now practice it with the one you are with most. Paul, Paul puts it... It's the way Paul puts it in a few chapters earlier in Ephesians chapter 3. He says this. Learn the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. As we learn the love of God for ourselves, we then overflow with the fullness of God in our marriages. So, Marriage exists to teach us how to love. But if we're honest, it only teaches us this if we're willing. If if we're ready to enter into marriage together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, humbly ready to work together for God's good, for God's glory and our good. And my encouragement today is, is twofold. First of all, men and women love God. Love God, develop a robust idea of who God is and and pray into it. Read scripture about it. Talk to friends about it. On your own and with your spouse, be in prayer together. Connect yourselves, your hearts to who God is. And then secondly, as God reveals more of his character, as God speaks to you, as God directs you, then practice those directions in the context of your marriage and may it overflow into every relationship you have everywhere. So going back to my first initial point, right? This is a series about fatherhood. Why do the best husbands make the best fathers? I believe it is because they are actively becoming more like Jesus and growing in love. And their relationships with their wives, which then models a life of flourishing to their children. 
The reason I believe that, that, that the best husbands make the best fathers is because I cannot think of a more tangible image of who God is for a child than their parents. Truly. And the relationship that we cultivate with our spouses will communicate to our kids. And may it, by God's grace, communicate his glory to them. Jesus, thank you for your institute of marriage. Thank you for this profound mystery. One, one that stands as an exemplar of, of how you want to relate to your people. How, how you are calling us into a unique relationship that is not duplicated anywhere else in the cosmos. You have seen us, you have known us, and you have called us into a relationship of beauty and joy and submission and righteousness. God, may we then now practice it with our spouses. May we love them and cherish them as we do our own bodies. May we nourish our love for you. And in the overflow, may we enjoy love, acceptance, and peace and joy with our spouses. God, may, may the preaching of your word be magnified in our midst today. May you be glorified. And now, Lord, as we gather around your table May we meet with you and may you softly speak to us your love, your care, your devotion. And may we softly reply back the same. Lord, we trust you and love you. In Christ's holy name.